Hello and welcome to Let Me Introduce You, the food business podcast where I introduce you to the most amazing producers, entrepreneurs and consultants who work with me to help me build stronger, healthier, better versions of food businesses. I've been building teams to work with food businesses for over 25 years now. We're taking you behind the scenes in my business to meet some of them. Let me introduce you to Shabnam Weber, the president of the Tea and Herbal Association of Canada. Someone who has a vision of tea that is truly contemporary and can inspire people to drink it hot, drink it chilled, cook with it, use it as a vital component in cocktails and so much more. Shabnam truly knows that there is a tea that is perfect for every occasion and loves nothing more than to help others make more of tea. My first question to you is, what are you drinking? (laughs) Are you having it? I am. I am. I always start my morning with a cup of strong black tea. So this is an Assam. Yep. I tend to brew it stronger than perhaps some people like because I put a splash of milk into it. Yeah. So that is, that's always my morning ritual, I guess. I guess, I guess it's yeah. a ritual. That's yeah. how your day starts. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Always love it. That's, that's your yeah. signal to yourself that you're on it. We see, cause we're in the middle of the afternoon. I'm on rose and French vanilla. Cause this oh, is nice. the time of day when I start thinking, I would like a cake. I'm like, no, you can't go there. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I love this rose and French vanilla doma nice. tea because it just, it's got enough sweetness in it. And there are some others. I mean, there are loads of great teas like that, just with a little bit of edge in it. Not too perfumey because I'm not fond of that. Yeah. But just enough. And then it's obviously got a black tea base. So keeps you going. Nice, nice. Good choice. So you and I have known each other a few years now since I used to get up in the middle of the night to talk to you on live live webinars from Canada into the UK. And then try and wake up three hours later and kid on. I'd slept through the night, which was amazing. But it was great. And obviously, for those that haven't clicked on this from the intro that I will have given, the Tea Association of Canada is the group who's certified tea sommelier, professional tea sommelier course I did, which took a couple of years and resulted in some very early morning starts, depending on where in in Canada, the tutor was and and what time. And although I knew I'd signed up for an online course, I hadn't quite clicked that that meant that my live sessions would be online, but uh, in the middle of the night, but they were worth doing. And I loved every step of it and have encouraged a lot of other people to do it since because I learned so much by doing it. I absolutely loved it. So Shabnam was my main tutor at that time. And she has now become president of the Tea Association of Canada. So it's in that role that we're speaking to you now. But it was funny when that happened because I already felt hugely familiar with you because we'd we'd um, been spending all those sessions. And also because most of the videos and things that were recorded had you in them. So, so can you describe your job now to, to people? What, what does your role as president involve? So I've tried desperately, and I I think I just have to try harder, to describe the role of the association in an elevator pitch. Mm -hmm. And I, I can't get it down enough. 
So this is the best so far. This is where we're at right okay. now. So the association itself is, um, it's a trade association. It's membership-based and our members represent a huge range of the supply chain that operates within Canada, but with our T-Sommelier program, actually far beyond Canada as well, as you well know, Jane. And as I can remember from the other people that were on our course, yeah. and that was one of the things that really added to it, was hearing what people in Korea were doing, seeing, thinking, Switzerland, all sorts of places. It was fab. The course itself is is a labor of love, and I'll get to that in a second. But the so the the association is really there to represent and take care of industries is the best way that I can put it. So for our membership, we do everything from government relations and issue management. So we sort of liaise with government and policymakers, et cetera. Um, we help guide industry on issues and 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 issue management and any kind of policies that might be changing, regulations that might be changing, et cetera. We do custom research on trends and data, et cetera, that just helps members' lives a little bit, um, be a little bit easier in the decisions that they make day to day in running their business. So we provide that for members. We do uh, education. So uh, definitely the T-Sommelier program that you, that you are part of. Um, and you were actually in the first iteration of the online course because that was these these live tutorials. So we've we've moderated that um, a lot since you've taken it, and that was really because of the vast amount of international students that we were getting to sign up. So I wrote the program for the association, um, which is why I say it was a labor of love. And I can imagine because there is so much in it. Yeah, it's it's a lot. It's it took a long time. When I say it's a labor of love, um, I, I I I I've never talked about this before. I've I mentioned it in an interview recently for the first time that I wrote it for the association and uh, signed over the rights for one dollar. So for anybody who thinks you know I made my fortunes writing this program, nothing could be further from the truth. I truly did this because I believed in the program and I believed in its worth for the association. So the the program has gone into other into new iterations now where there's a lot more video. There are still live sessions but they're offered in two different time zones to sort of accommodate for people that don't need to wake up at 2 and 3 in the morning because I remember at the time when I was teaching the course saying to myself, I love tea and I wouldn't get up at three in the morning to listen to me talk. So hats off to you fine. for doing it. I thank you. It, but <laughs> it was absolutely fine. And it, it kind of went anywhere from midnight to about three in the morning, depending yeah. on where the person was and what time of year it was for us and things. That's so right. Yeah. It was it was fine. I got to bed at nine thirty, so it was right in the middle of my night. Oh, but dear. it was okay. Well, you know, it was good. <laughs> and that proves how much you love tea. And then finally we do we do promotion. So um we are brand agnostic, which means that when I talk about tea, it's about the goodness of just tea drinking and and getting people, you know, familiar with tea, understanding tea, um, loving tea, etc. So that's sort of in a nutshell what we do at the association. My job depends on what time of day you ask me. I might be, you know, I might be doing international stuff where I'm on calls with colleagues, you know, could be all over the world. So it could be Russia, it could be China, it could be India, it could be... And I mean, I know that you work closely too with the UK Absolutely, team, yeah. which is great. UK yeah. all the time. 
I could be spending my day doing social media and, um, you know, actually the parts that I love because I, I have, you know, I get to exercise the creative part of my brain. So um, all of the images, everything that you see on our on our social media, we produce all of that in-house and it's and you have a team of two. little videos. <laughs> we and, do all of that. Gorgeous photography and stuff, which is great too, because for people like me, I can use those images as a member and use them generally. So, you know, which is great because often things are branded and you wouldn't want branded images often for things like that. So it's phenomenal to be able to use them. It's a real great resource. But I love all your little videos too. I love it when I catch one of them. <laughs> I'm well, I'm glad you do. And like I said, it's the it's the things that those are the things, those are the parts of my day that I love because, you know, it helps me sort of exercise that other side of my brain. And it's, you know, some of them are feel good. It's 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 really about connecting with the consumer and that's that's really the our primary objective. And then for members, you know, if it's if it can be an additional resource for for our members, then to me that's the icing on the cake. And you know, for me as a sommelier, I would be talking just about tea generically in the same way as you would. Yep. And then obviously I have a UK affiliation with Dilma. But sometimes I don't always want it to be that. Yeah. So it is really useful for me to have to have both and and to see what you're doing and to see trends and to pick up a great new hot chocolate recipe that has tea in it from you or, you know, all the cooking and stuff. I love all of that. You know, so it's really good because because, as I say, it's generic too that you're doing. So I know that it will work across different brands obviously you have to taste and know what you're doing because it will vary but but it's it's an amazing resource and I mean I know last year when people were struggling and you came to us all very sweetly and said really sorry but we have to ask you to pay your membership again (laughs) I was like tomorrow morning you can have it oh you're sweet because it was so (laughs) worth it I cannot believe what two of you manage and magazines and everything so I mean you know if anyone loves tea and is in the trade I couldn't recommend it enough to them so well that's sweet thank you thank you thank you thank you it's great yeah what do your friends and family say your job is (laughs) they haven't a clue (laughs) no welcome to the world of food nobody's ever quite sure they honestly don't know if you ask my mother, her answer will probably be that I spent a lot of time on on, on video calls, especially in the last year, because uh, she knows she knows if I'm dressed for camera and mm-hmm. when I'm not dressed for camera, because I FaceTime with her every day. <laughs> so yeah, for the most part, they don't know. My husband does because he's in he's in the industry himself. Industry too. Oh, so he's great. he's probably the only one who does. But everybody else just sort of, I don't know. I guess you know. To be honest with you, if you ask them, some of them would probably say that um, she just makes videos and, uh, and and social media posts because that's the stuff they see, right? Drinks tea. <laughs> yeah. They haven't. And, and pre-COVID, travels all over the place and drinking tea. That's exactly <laughs> right. You, you know what? That's exactly right. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I miss that. It's funny, isn't it? But yeah. It's, it's not uncommon. But I'm, I'm also amazed that you're allowed to speak to your mother without having the full outfit on. My mum is uh never seen outside the house without jewelry and lipstick on right and will say to me in the morning have i caught you before you're ready if i haven't got lipstick on so you're joking (laughs) oh you're joking she'll be listening to this but we we speak on a 
an Alexa yes. FaceTime thing. And and she's always dressed. So I have to make sure earrings, necklace and lipstick go oh, on fabulous. first thing in the morning. So so yeah. I, I do put on a little bit of a face face makeup every day. Yeah. I do. And and that's because I I FaceTime, as I said, with my mother. Uh, my sister lives in Germany. So I FaceTime with her every day as well. I was on a call recently with one of the, I think it was my mother, and she was looking at me going, did you sleep last night? And I'm like, I did, but I chose not to put on any face makeup this morning, so I will not be repeating that mistake again. This is so. funny, isn't it? I don't know what we would have done without all these things, though, because it's so good to be able to it drop is. in, check in, check how everybody is. and Yeah, yeah it's been a so good connection, good. yeah. Your involvement in tea goes pre, I mean, obviously you were involved in the academy and the courses and things before you became president. But prior to that, when did your tea journey start and how did you know that was, when did you, do you remember knowing that was what you wanted to do? I was living in Germany for four years, owned a restaurant with my ex-husband at the time there. And wanted to come home and Toronto was home. I hated the restaurant industry. Couldn't stand it. Was not my passion, was not my thing at all. And had fallen in love with specialty tea shops. In of which um, Germany is also a very advanced market. Hugely so, yeah. advanced. So this yeah. was 20 years ago. And I mean, tea shops that we still don't see on this side of the planet, like we just don't. Mm. So we decided to give it a go. And, and that's basically how the business started. So when we returned to Toronto in 2000, we decided to open up our tea company, the Tea Emporium, and decided from the very, very beginning that it was not going to be a single shop. It was going to be multiple shops. So it, it didn't, the idea didn't grow. It started big and, and, and mm -hmm. we sort of grew into it um, kind of idea. But that's helpful too if you're not doing it as if it's one unit that just depends on you and then suddenly you decide to get bigger because you almost have to re-engineer the whole thing. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, that's true. You're right. I mean, we had a very, very clear vision of what we wanted it to become as opposed to, you know, just this one thing, as you say, that then is going to grow and perhaps have issues. And don't get me wrong. It's not that we didn't have issues. Everybody mm -hmm. who's run a small business knows, you know, the, the challenges of that. In terms of, you know, how did I know? I, honestly, I have to tell you, Jane, that I think the love of tea grew in me. I've always loved tea and I was a tea drinker. But if you would have told me 20 years ago that this is where I'd be sitting 20 years from now, I would have told you you're out of your mind. I've had many different lives, so to speak. You know, I was director of HR for a large company uh, first, then I had a restaurant, then I did this, you know, like very, very different mm -hmm. jobs. So I you really captured your heart. It, it just I, 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 yeah, and I can't imagine leaving it, even though I'm certainly not somebody who's afraid of change. Like, that's not the problem. There's just something about this industry that is infectious. And yep. once you're in kind of like the godfather right every time mm -hmm. i want to leave no, I, they I pull can, me back i can in. relate to that i yeah. also would never have said i'd get up at three in the morning to do some exams right. or 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 then end up as brand ambassador for somebody yeah. because obviously doing that curtails what i can do yeah. to some extent but but i mean just how much i'm interested in it eclipsed that 
So, yeah. So I think for me, I've just, I realized somewhere along the road that, you know what, there is, there is a, there's a plan out there and I will fall where I need to fall. And this is clearly where I need it to be. And, you know, it found, it found me, I think, to some extent. That's brilliant. Yeah. Well, well, I'm glad it did. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Um, through your work life, have you had people who've been role models for you that you've, you know, that you've, we, we say, we make a, a caveat at this point, if they've been good role models, please name them. <laughs> if they've taught you things you don't want to repeat, then I think, you know, I mean, we've all learned what doesn't make us feel good too sometimes and things, but who do you think has influenced the style that you have, how you work with people, how you encourage other people to work with you. Because I mean, in your role now, you're in a very collaborative role, working with a lot of people who are competitors of each other's and encouraging them to share and put their bit into the pot and do and things. So how how have you developed that style? That's a tough answer because I've been self-employed since I was 23. To be honest with you, you know, I mean, I had a, I had a part-time, I had a job, you know, coming out of university for a couple of years, but beyond that, you know, interviewing for this particular position was the first time in my life I'd ever actually had an interview. So, amazing. right. So, yeah. um, I, I think uh, to be honest with you, I think that years of owning a business, running your own business taught me a really, really important lesson is that you you alone can't do everything yeah. and you have to collaborate. Otherwise, well, you can't survive. Like you, you literally just stops survive. you growing, certainly, doesn't it? Yeah. it? Well, that for sure. Absolutely. But it, it's also just not sustainable, right? I mean, no. there's only so, so long you can do something like that. So I think I learned that I can't say that I knew it all along. It took some time no. to learn that for sure, especially, you know, when you're starting and it's one of the biggest flaws that I believe entrepreneurs have is this idea that they can do everything by themselves and that's it. Um, and the hardest lesson is to learn that, no, that's actually not the truth. So I've learned that along the way. I've, you know, I've opened businesses, I've closed businesses, I've had to check my ego at the door many, many, many a time in, in order to be able to do that and, and understand mm. that, you know, things have life cycles. I think that within the industry itself, if I if I take a look at that, I think that for me, and, and I, this is going to sound hokey, and I don't mean it to sound hokey, but it's the truth. When I started to visit and, and understand the the supply chain, this enormous supply chain of which I was this teeny tiny part. I understood that there was this greater whole that we were all a part of and that one can, nothing can function without the other. It's, it's like this organism. It, it is an absolute chain, isn't it? Yeah. The, you know, any one bit of it goes missing and the whole thing falls down. Yeah. And no part of it is more important than the other. So no. it fed in me this, this profound respect for everybody from, you know, who's picking my tea to processing my tea to exporting my tea to auctioning my tea. Like it's set like the entire chain. Yep. And once you sort of feed into that, once that, once you absorb that as a concept, I think you understand that the only way to work is collaboratively. Yeah. You know, if you truly believe that you're part of a greater whole, then collaboration is, it's, it's literally the only answer. There is no other answer. 
And also with equity in the case of the tea business, because otherwise, if one person gets an awful lot more out of it than the others, then those other people won't be there to help you at a future stage. And then the whole thing collapses. Yeah. So it's got to be something that's fair for everybody in that chain. Again, because we're all interdependent on each other. So no, I think I think that's good. It's funny too, but often when I ask that question of people who has influenced them, it very often is the person they met when they worked on Saturdays when they were a student. Oh, really? Either well or badly influenced them. And so I think it's a great thing for us all to learn that it doesn't matter how short a uh, contact you have with people, you can you know, they can be looking to you to see how you do things without you knowing they are. And, you know, Popfoot might have thought, this person's our Saturday boy. He only works with us a couple of hours a week. What does it matter if he's not getting the best treatment or if he's getting amazing treatment? He's only in on a Saturday and he'll be gone in a year. But when you hear how many people are affected by those people, well or badly, then I think it just, it reinforces that thing again, too, that we're all mentoring other people. We just don't always know we are. So, yeah, it's I I guess. Yeah, no. And it totally makes sense, because if you think about it in your own life. Right. I mean, I I remember I, you know, I remember the manager I worked was that was my Saturday shift, actually, ironically. (laughs) Yeah, I, I remember I couldn't stand him, but I ended up loving him. And the reason I couldn't stand him was because he would point out my flaws so I got to a point where I would, it's such a, I'm going to give you the example. So there was a carpet, that it's, it's these things that just stick in your brain mm-hmm. forever. So there's a carpet at the end, I was a hostess at um, mm-hmm. a part-time job, and there was a carpet at the front of the restaurant. And every time he would come in, he would ask me, did you clean the carpet? So it was the handheld mm-hmm. bizzle, you know, the, the bizzle yep. cleaners. Carpet thing, yeah, carpet yeah, yeah. cleaner, yep. And Quite often I'd forgotten it because it was just beyond the entrance of the restaurant. So I, I, and I couldn't stand, I couldn't stand the fact that he always found something that I hadn't quite done. But I tell you, Jane, I got to a point where cleaning that carpet became my one goal every single day. Before and, he asked you? Oh, yeah. So <laughs> my my goal was to reach a point where he would come in and all he could say was, Good morning. How are you? Mm-hmm. As opposed to finding something wrong. And on the one hand, you know, I think back to that and I think back to it probably more often than I realize I do. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I couldn't stand it. But at the same time, you know, he got me to a point where I myself was perfecting this job of hostessing simply because I didn't want him to realize I hadn't done something. Do you know what I mean? Whether that's yeah, good management. Yeah, because you wanted to, to have removed that question from him and just, and did he come to to acknowledge that with Oh, you? yeah. Or we, did we he became always great, find something? No, 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 no. We became <laughs> great friends in the end. But it was, yeah. And I, I you know, I guess I, you could ask yourself, is that good management or bad management? I don't know. I mean, it's, you know, obviously it works for somebody who's a people pleaser, like I am, right? <laughs> and, uh yeah, so there you go. Yeah, I know. And it and it might not have worked for somebody else, no. but he always got that attention to detail. Something else that people often say when they're talking about business is that you 
need to step out of your comfort zone, not just in business, actually in anything, in order to be successful. And I think I can remember thinking, golly, I feel terrified a lot. I don't know that I want to step outside it. Then realising the fact that I felt terrified meant I had already stepped outside it, you know. And I mean, you asked me, are you enjoying podcasting? And at first it was like learning to drive because I had this to watch, I had that to watch. Now it's just like I'm having a chat with people and I love chatting, so it's fine. What are the things that now when you look back, it surprises you you've done? So, you know, as I said earlier, I've had, uh, you know, I've had a number of different lives. So, you know, at 23, packing up and and moving to Bermuda my entire life was, what the hell were you thinking? And then packing up my life again and moving to Germany. How long were you in Bermuda? uh, A year. And then packing up my life and and moving to Germany where I, I mean, my ex-husband was German, but I didn't speak the language. My family, my friends, everybody were in Toronto. It's, you know, you look back on these things and you, uh, I think you say, thank goodness for youth because (laughs) only youth can, can sort of make you think, ah, whatever, let's do it. You know, selling the restaurant in Germany that there was no reason to sell it. It was doing fine. We were living off of it. Everything was stable, but making the decision to uproot and sell everything to come back to Toronto and and start in a business that we knew nothing about. I mean, we enjoy drinking tea. That's about it. That doesn't qualify you to be in the business. So all of those things, I, I, you know, there, there are a lot of people and I know them, you know them, everybody knows them that have always been in the same place and seem quite comfortable and happy with that. And that's okay. I think that's fine for them, but it's not the way I've, it's not the way I've lived any part of my life. You know, Um, even with transitioning into this position, I had to completely divest myself from the Tea Emporium Academy of Tea, everything. It was a company I'd built for 20 years and in order to take this job and, you know, same questions were asked, why would you do that? But I wasn't excited anymore. I wasn't, I wasn't uncomfortable. I wasn't, you know, I was waking up in the morning and I I could, I could go through the day with my eyes closed, you know, and that's. And it is a funny thing too, isn't it? And I mean, you're not like that. And I'm not surprised that you're not like that. And I'm not like that either. And I similarly, you know, I think I've been 26 years, I think now working for myself, but before that, only 10 years in jobs, but change jobs a few times. And then you build your own business and you're still there. But what keeps me engaged in it is how much things change within that business. Right. Um, but also I had four years, five years where I had a chocolate brownie business as well as this, which happened by accident. We sent chocolate brownies to a retailer that we were working with as our Christmas thank you. And they phoned and said, where did these come from? And I said, I made them. And they were like, oh, could you have them manufactured? And I think, well, that's wow. why I help other people do. I could. So we ended up manufacturing them. And then I had a, a an online business in 2005 before many people sent food online. Right, right. But I, one day in 2009, our accountant said to us, this is going to now need a huge investment to go to the next stage. Right. And if you do that, you really need to work in the chocolate brownie business full time to justify what you're about to do. Right. Probably put your mortgage on the line or something. And I said, I don't like the chocolate brownie business. Mm. He said, why, why are you doing it? it? I said, well, it happened by accident. <laughs> yeah. And 
I don't like that every year Valentine's Day is similar every year. And all we can do is introduce new products, different products, different ways of doing it. But there is a lot of Groundhog Day about it. And I said to my friend's husband at that point, I wish I had realised that about myself earlier. And he said, you could have asked me 20 years ago because I knew that about you. And it is funny, but you don't see those things in yourself sometimes. And then when you get it and, you know, all the rest of my work is project based, working with people, doing different projects with them. Some of them that I've worked with the whole way through my business career. Yeah. But doing different things with them. And that's I I don't massively like maintaining. I like finding the new bits of things, which is why helping people with strategy and implementation and things suits me. And if I look back at school, I like the subjects that were like that too. So I should have clicked, but... But I think, you know what, you probably don't notice it yourself because you're you're so busy doing that you're not observing it, right? You're just just getting on with things. You're not sitting and analyzing it. And and that's what you need. Do you know what I mean? Like it, 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 it requires that in order to do what you're doing anyways. But I think that, you know, and sometimes I think that people think that putting yourself in an uncomfortable place, as you say, or, or, or mm-hmm. doing things that are going to interest you and, and push you, et cetera, is means, I don't know, packing up and going to another country or changing jobs. It doesn't have to mean that. And I think it's really important yeah. for people to understand. It's about make, keeping yourself relevant. And yeah. if that means taking a course that you've never taken before, you might hate it, but mm-hmm. even that tells you something about yourself. And I think that you know, people don't even do enough of that. Um, Lifelong learning. Yeah. yeah. Just, Always want to learn something else, learn something new. Just anything to make yourself more interesting to yourself. Forget about to other people, but even more interesting to yourself. I mean, how much more, you know, rich is a conversation if I tell you that, I don't know, I took a photography course a year ago, you, like whatever it yeah. is. Just having something. And I mean, this is what's happened in lockdown, isn't it? Yes. The conversation you have is... What have you done? Nothing yeah. really today. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and yes. so I haven't really, my mum sometimes says, I haven't any news to tell you, you know, yeah. and then there is always something, but, but it's that about having an interest in your life too, that gives you something to talk about even, yeah. or, and I mean, I, you know, I'm a real walker and podcast listener and I love where listening to somebody who's maybe talking about marketing and then they have a guest and that guest talks about what she did and then I go and buy her book totally off marketing not nothing to do with it because it's pushed you somewhere else and I think I think you're right that just always being open to try new things whatever they are even if it's just a different brand of something just that's exactly it. it even if it's you know listening to a podcast that you would never listen to yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it's, you know, if you don't, if you don't understand Bitcoin, I mean, it's a crazy example because I was just listening to something yeah. about NFTs this morning, but it's this, even that moment of listening to somebody describing what Bitcoin is and Ethereum and et cetera, et cetera. There's, there's an element of discomfort when you're listening yeah. to that and that's not your world. You don't understand no. it. Even that is discomfort. And I think that not everybody understands that. I think that some it's people think. It's not a huge thing almost. Exactly. No, and I mean, on, on that topic on Bitcoin, somebody about four years ago 
took me through an example of what it would do to the UK national health system right. if they purchased that way so that money wasn't paid over unless things actually changed hands and just how much money that would clear up, how you would see where money was just falling out of the system more easily and things. There is so much that it can do and, and it was never something that I would have learned about. And actually it was a designer that was talking to me about it because his kids had explained it to him, right. which was great. Yeah. You know, so it is conversation is such a, a big thing too, isn't it? Who you talk to. I think we've kind of, we've answered bits of both of these actually, because the other thing I was going to ask you was, what is the one thing you've learned about yourself now that you wish you'd known earlier about you? So in in my case, I wish I'd known that I like not doing repetitive stuff or, you know, that I'd recognise that in myself. Because I think also you think, well, everybody doesn't like doing repetitive stuff, but actually there are people who don't like change, who are very happy no. to do the same thing every day, eat the same yeah. lunch, do that. And that's, yeah, and that's okay because I, you know, everybody has, uh, everybody has a role that they have to fulfill. Do you know and, what I mean? And those people are phenomenal yes. in quality assurance and technical roles and different things where I wouldn't be because I don't have the right attention span for it, yeah. you know? So I, I definitely think that everybody has the right thing for them. Yeah. What What do you think you've learned about yourself? Uh, what have I learned about myself that I wish I would have known then? Is that what you're asking me? Yeah, or or sooner that you'd clicked wasn't something that everybody does. You know, I probably wish I would have stuck to things that I knew I wanted to do in my heart versus doing things that I thought I should be doing. So, you know, I mentioned earlier, I own a restaurant in Germany for four years and I hated every moment of of running that restaurant. I couldn't stand it. And yep. those are four years of, you know, of course it's experience. Nothing is ever wasted. Mm-hmm. Of course not. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's four years that I could have been building something else, for example, yeah, right? Doing something different. So yeah. trying to convince myself that I that I wanted to do something where in my heart, I really truly did not, I think is, and just being at a, and I, you know, I, I don't know if that's something you can necessarily know sooner. I think that's something that comes with age where. But recognizing it, recognizing it now as we're older, even, yes. you know, is a good thing, isn't it? No, absolutely. And and also reaching a point in your life where you say, I just, I, I don't need to do things I don't want to do anymore. I just, yeah. I don't. I don't have to, you know, which is so, great. Isn't yeah, it? that is a good thing. Mum, mum, and I, who probably both worry too much about what other people think too. Yeah, I say to her, "Why are you worrying about that?" And and then I say to her, "You know, the reason it worries me so much is she's eighty six, and if yeah. she's still worrying what other people think, am I doomed?" <laughs> You're not. And I guess that's why it distresses me when I see it in her too, you know, because I think if it's not something that makes you happy, then don't worry. The other person will find somebody else to do it with or, you know, whatever, whatever it it is, whatever that thing is. And I, I mean, I think I'm. You're not doomed, Jane, because you're asking the question. I know. I know. That's half the battle. And and learning from what I see her doing too. So. Yeah, we're all, we're all, it is, it's that mix, isn't it? We're all different. Now, I know that you've been in lockdown, lockdown for five months, Mm. but I also know 
that a you're cooking and I see <laughs> some of the tea related things that you're cooking and things and I'm sure too that like has happened in the UK there are all these chefs doing meal kits that you can cook at home and all sorts of things so I still know you will have eaten exciting food yeah what is the thing that you've like can be an ingredient or it can be a meal okay what have you eaten recently that has excited you I should say or drunk I suppose in this instance <laughs> I've um I've made butter, French wow. but cultured butter. So mm. not, I mean, making butter is not a great it's a big deal. You you stick some whipping cream in a mixer and let it go crazy. So um people shouldn't get this picture in their head that I'm sitting and churning butter because that's not what it is. If you have a a stand mixer, I mean, I, actually, I would mm-hmm. say don't try this unless you have a stand mixer. But I love. French butter, like true cultured mm-hmm. butter. And yep. it's not necessarily easy to get uh, in North America. You have to go to specialty shops that's not in your supermarket. I, I would say that's the most exciting, th- what I've been most excited about that I've been doing Brilliant. in the past. Yeah. And then what are you using it in your own? Are you having it on toast? Are you? Crusty bread. That's it. Phenomenal. And yeah. I, I do salted cultured butter because I just, my brain cannot wrap its head around unsalted butter i I use salted butter i've always used salted butter even even when baking asks for unsalted i use salted no i'm i'm funny enough i'm with you on that i was once discussing with a trainer a walking coach about weight loss and different things you should be doing and i said to her i wouldn't have butter in the house because i would spread it so thickly on yeah all sorts of things i mean i'm happy to say i'm over that i would still have it in the house now um But she said to me, well, buy unsalted because then you won't like it. And oh. I thought, hello, I would put salt on it and then just, eat it. You I know? was just going like, to say. That would have yeah, lasted about I, two seconds. She couldn't believe I'd thought of that so quickly. But it's just like, would. oh, yeah, would. just put some salt on it and carry on. You know? <laughs> so it, uh, that wouldn't have held any weight. But yeah. 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 So I, I, I mean, I've been cooking a lot like everybody else, mm. obviously. I tried meal kits, I have to admit. I did that. I did it for a little while. So my husband lives in New York normally, Mm. and COVID uh, forced us to actually live together, um, which has been a good thing. It's definitely been a good thing. Um, And I love to cook when there's somebody else here. Yep. So, I mean, I plan the menu for the week. We have, like, literally, here's a list. Choose what you want to eat tonight. So it's, you know, it's a a mini restaurant that I'm running here for two. (laughs) And I, we tried meal kits for a little while, actually a little while at once. It was, I lasted for one mm-hmm. single week and I stopped because I didn't enjoy it. Mm. For somebody who likes to cook, it took the joy out of it for me. I, I yeah. hated what, you know, following instructions. I'm like, get out of here. It's not how you do it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And, and then if you've only got the stuff that's in the meal kit, you can't deviate if you no. think something else might be better yeah. in it or. A yeah. bit more of something or... Yeah. No, I, I can understand that. I think I think some people cooking for themselves has become a fatigue and so they've liked them. But I mean, we've also had some amazing restaurant meal kits by, yeah. you know, Michelin star chefs and different things and where you get them part prepared and then you finish yeah. them and things. And some of those have been incredible. So I I signed up for it for exactly that reason that I was sick and tired every day of saying, what do you want for dinner? What do you want for dinner? It was just, I was so mm-hmm. tired of it. As much as I like to cook, 
It was exhausting. I'd reached the point yeah. of it was exhausting. You want to be able to say, we'll go out tonight and you can't. So, you couldn't yeah. do that. So, um, so we did the meal kit for a week and as I said, hated it. And not because of the meal kit. The kit was great. No. It was it was me. It wasn't the kit. Mm-hmm. So what I did, and I found this hugely helpful, was after I got rid of the meal kit, I sat at the beginning of every week, and I actually enjoyed doing this. I went through Planning. old, re- yeah, I went through old mm. recipe books, and I just wrote down ideas of yep. twelve different meals that were for the week. I would have the ingredients for those meals if it wasn't something that was normally in the house. Mm-hmm. And then at the beginning of every day or afternoon or whatever it was, we would take a look at the list and say, pick something. Exactly. And then you still have that flexibility in, sometimes you just don't feel like eating something or you, and I mean, I used to find that when I traveled all the time, as I was sat at Heathrow Airport, I would think I would really like macaroni with cheese or something that you're not going to get easily in Tunisia or the Caribbean, well, Caribbean more so, but, you know, like all these other places that you're going to, and yeah. you just think, yeah, I'm not going to get that. So, and then you'd have to think about it for a week until you came back Until you get it. back. <laughs> yeah. So I, I can understand that. But no, that sounds like you had a great system. Yeah. If somebody was starting a business as somebody who has been a serial entrepreneur and, and worked for herself since you were 23, what is the thing that you would say, make sure you do this early on? I think we've maybe touched on this because you've... Okay, so um, plan, plan, yep. plan, 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 plan is is the first thing. But also understand that you're probably going to throw out half of those plans. So as much as you plan, I would say number two is you've got to be flexible because... Revisit your plan. A thousand times, a thousand mil... Like there's, there's it, you just can't revisit it often enough and be open enough to knowing that you're gonna have to change that plan constantly. Yep. For sure, have some structure and idea of what it is that you want to do, but you also have to be able to understand that it's not going to go as, right? I mean, the old joke is- If the last year hasn't told people that. Right, man plans and God laughs, right? So that's pretty much how running a business goes as well. So those two are really, really important. I would say number three is understand that, you know, as I said before, you're not going to do everything by yourself. It's just no. not going to work. It's not sustainable, which also requires you to, you've got to check your ego. Yep. You've got to check your ego. It's not, you know, if if it's doing well, yes, you are part of it, but there are others that are part of it. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, if it's not doing well, don't, you know, don't take that as a reflection of who you are as a human being. And that's what yep. I, you know, checking your ego actually works I think in two ways. I think that's good. And surround yourself with people that you're going to learn from. I think that we all have something to learn and to think that you can, you know, you know everything, have everything, et cetera, is, is just... Even if you did know everything, you may not love everything. And I wow, think doing yeah. the bits you love and, you know, that that feed your soul and everything else are, are important too. And I will never love doing my accounts I can use software that makes it easier (laughs) but it it is no you know I I remember my brother saying to me once could you not just spend the whole weekend just playing around with excel spreadsheets and I thought jeez no thank you never but he's an accountant so (laughs) obviously it's his idea of of interesting right um but it just doesn't work for me and you know so I do what I have to do of those sorts of jobs 
and then I pass them on and then I get them back and then I have a meeting or a discussion about them. But I don't want to be doing it all. Yeah. No, yeah. I think that's good. So I think these are good. That's useful. And finally, three words, independent words, they don't need to join together, that you think sum you up. Gosh, um, three words that describe me. Uh, loyal, uh, driven, ambitious. Mm-hmm. These are not the characteristics of a lazy person, I have to tell you. I, yeah, I know, but you, but 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 I have to tell you that I think that th- those uh, those you know, for those, and I, I suspect that you're in this category as well. Is that when you're not doing something? Yes. If you're taking an hour or even a day and not doing something that's productive, you yeah. categorize yourself as lazy. Because yeah. you you feel inherently that you should always be doing something. Be achieving something from yeah. anything you're doing. I know I've had this conversation about going a walk. You know, I think that being able to know that you could go a walk and you don't have to listen to something or that you could sit on a train journey, which is what I used to do and read all my trade press and all those sorts of things. And now suddenly I'm not on a train journey and I can't get through those trade press. So you have to find another time to do it. Right. And not think of those things as wasting time. Right. So, but I think it's also, yeah. it's, I mean, and, and, and this is probably something, as I said, that you, I suspect you struggle with as well is what's wrong with wasting time. Mm-hmm. And I think that sometimes, you know, you have to ask yourself that question as well. What's, I mean, I'm not saying that you waste, uh, you know, days and days and months of your life, but what is wrong with, you know, there's, I think we have to need to ask ourselves, what's wrong with if I decide, you know, this Saturday that I'm really not going to do anything. I'm really, I'm going to waste the day. I'm going to have nothing to show for it, except that I woke up and yeah. And isn't that. Why isn't that I, enough? I think it's important. Yeah, no, right. I do. I think that. And I think that is possibly something I've learned too during lockdown. Yeah. Not to pack days with stuff yeah. or feel pressure to do stuff. Yeah. I, I'm not sure I've reached the point yet, but I'd like to. I think that, you know, as I said to you earlier, the act, mm-hmm. I, I think the act of asking the question is is already a step in the right direction. Yeah. But, you know, it's... Uh, like you, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm making whatever I'm brushing my teeth. I'm doing my makeup and, and I'm listening to a podcast because yep. not doing, I, I, I'm just thinking, okay, you know what? This is a good time to catch the morning news. This is a good time yes. to learn about NFTs. This is a good time to learn, you know, but you're trying to just pack so much in because right. you're so interested, but also giving yourself downtime is great, right. which means your brain is actually never resting. And, no. and that's not, that's not really great either. No, so. but being conscious of it is a good thing. We need more hours in the day is really my answer, Jane. <laughs> but I guess there aren't. So. There aren't. There aren't. <laughs> we just got to give away more stuff to other people to do. This is true. So we've got more time to do those other things. This I know. is true. That's great. Thank you so much Thank for this for conversation. Me. It's been Thank lovely you. to have it with you. And I look forward to seeing what's next for you on social media online all over the place well sofa summit oh yes sofa summit i've got i've got i've got the second sofa summit happening may 21st which was the most amazing event last year thank you of non-stop content for the whole of international tea day so i'm delighted that that is coming back again it will be the same this year 
So 11 and a half hours. I will join you for some of it, for certain. Take care. All right, take care. Thank you very much. Nice to speak to you. You too. Bye. Thank you for listening to Let Me Introduce You, the food business podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe in Apple Podcasts or wherever you pick up your podcasts and make sure you don't miss an episode. Please leave a comment to let me know what you enjoyed or connect to me at Jane Milton Food on Instagram or at Food Networking on Twitter. And if you found this helpful, we'd love you to tell other food businesses about it too. See you next time.